0: Hello and welcome to episode 114 of The Winning Agenda. Our panellists tonight include everyone's favourite lovable biroid, Wilfred E. Horig.
1: Yeah, and I didn't get Jesse to say that, he just uh, came up with that independently, which is great.
0: Yeah, there is no gun held to my head right now, I can confirm that. Uh, And also joining us tonight for the first time in a couple of weeks, after having a little break to spend some time with his gorgeous little niece, Hollis Echo. How are you, Hollis?
2: I did force Jesse to say that because my niece is gorgeous, and I'm doing well. Thank you so much.
0: And I believe that uh, your niece is going to be joining you very soon for some more babysitting. Are you excited? Uh,
2: yes, she's going to give her opinions uh, on um, a few meta choices uh, that are uh, common in uh, Criminal, so uh look forward to her insights later in the cast. The guest panelist. Uh, so, yeah, so how, how old is your niece, Hollis? Um, she is exactly four months and two weeks, which means that... She has an immense knowledge of the existing Netrunner card pool and can provide some extremely valuable insight into meta choices, uh, especially at the highest competitive level.
0: Yeah, everyone the future is now. Uh, So tonight we're going to be taking another small diversion from our usual programming of Lace, which has been all about reviewing new cards. And we're actually, we have some breathing space to talk about the meta for the first time in a while. So we thought that we would delve into a couple of topics, one of which is the decks that are currently popular or the the cards that are powering strategies at the moment on both sides of the game, but also give you a little bit of insight into how we've gone about trying to deck build in what is really quite an open metagame since the most dominant cards and the most dominant strategies, particularly on the Corp side, being uh, NBN tagging strategies, have sort of been knocked off their perch by Aaron Moron and the other hate cards that have come out recently. So, first of all, uh, we'll, we'll start off with you, Hollis. Uh, what have you been playing uh, on the runner on the corp side? And, and how have you found the things that you've been experimenting with? And how did you f- think to experiment with them in the first place?
2: Sure. So, um, it's actually kind of funny how uh, I think the meta's kind of gone in a unique circle. Some things have stayed, um, some things have gone away. But uh, I ended up as, on the runner side, I ended up going back to Wizard um, instead of where I was going, which was experimenting with. Uh, more builds with like shaper and cipher excuse me cipher um, and more builds with um, uh criminal with Moran. I went back to wizard primarily because the the shift in the metagame meant that a lot of decks were gonna either go horizontal or they were gonna start doing uh combos and uh I decided to put you know my uh, uh all my eggs in the basket of you know I want to make sure that I'm not gonna get taxed out by. A heavy remote game and just kind of depend on you know just standard good play to uh do my best against uh like the uh, ci matchups things like that
0: and it's really interesting i think you've summed up the runner metagame really well there which is that runners have had to respond to the way the corpse have responded to the runner hate which is evidence i think of a really interesting metagame so those as we said as i said earlier those nbn tagging decks have been hated out which means that corps have had to find a new way to play. So they've either gone to a couple of the next powerful strategies, as you said, combo or asset spam. And how do runners deal with asset spam? Well, you know, you play wizard. Right. (laughs) That's the easiest way to do it. Uh, And you have to... The thing is that the cards that a wizard deck is going to use to combat combo, like employee strike, or to combat asset spam, like possibly more Solstice Slums, uh, or some other economy cards to help it uh, compete with those remotes. Aren't necessarily going to be the same cards that will help it deal with sync boom or um, hard hitting news out of uh, controlling the message, which then potentially opens up the metagame for those powerful decks from Worlds to come back in again if runners are, are sort of not packing all the tag hate. Right. So that creates a really interesting little dynamic, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, and actually, uh, I'll I'll end my. I have something to piggyback off of what you said, but I'll come back after everyone's had a chance to talk because a uh, a friend from Atlanta recently gave me some insight about a recent Sword Champ they had, and I wanted to give everyone a chance to talk about how they've adjusted to the meta, and I'll talk about the outcome of their Sword Champ.
0: Sure. Do you want to talk a bit about the Corpse side as well first?
2: Uh, yeah. We go on to Wolfie? Yeah, sorry. On the Corpse side, I personally have been uh, leaning on uh, heavily towards uh, really just, uh, well, I'll say three decks, but I've only really uh, really played with... Two in the past couple of weeks. That's primarily been IG and uh, CI, and um, the reason for that is that I mentioned before. I felt like the asset spam decks still possessed a a fair amount of power. You know, even when you have a fair amount of hate, uh, you know, being pushed towards uh, those particular decks, they can still do well. Especially if the uh, cards like Shock end up in the discard pile when they're supposed to. Uh, When you have, uh, when you can remove uh, cards from them, constantly seeking out. Uh, targets through cards like uh, Psychic Field where you kinda get them off you catch them off guard perhaps. Um I think that those those tools uh you know still give the deck power even if you're trying to turn off uh IG's ability. And then of course the a recent uh a recent current called Enforced Curfew uh, helps the IG strategy. Not only does it, you know, reduce the runner's maximum hand size, but it's a great tool just to get rid of a possible employee strike that gets played. So not only is there a counterplay to you know your opponent's currents, but it's a really good one for that specific style of deck. And so um, I really like I really like uh, IG for that. On the CI side, um, it really feels like often if CI gets a great a great start, and on top of that, the addition of vital level clearance makes it so that before in CI where you were maybe a turn away or a two turns away from having your, your combo pieces assembled, the sheer burst economy and burst draw available because of those those clearances in C in cerebral imaging uh you to assemble that entire package suite very quickly. Um I think I've even seen I've had I've had games where they it ends in maybe three turns. Uh, I've had games that are longer where they have you know extra hate, but then at that point once you know the combo, it's basically just you know counting it out. Okay, I need this amount of credits if they have this and this. Okay, they have this but not this. Let me see, can I figure this out? Can I can I solve this puzzle and do this with the amount of credits that I have in my current credit pool? Um, and I hate to say this, but it, it is sort of. It is sort of uninteractive in that regard however um, cards like Employee Strike as I mentioned before do exist where you know whereas an IG yeah, it, it hurts it is I, I would believe even more hurtful in a, in a image against a, a cerebral imaging deck because your entire strategy is directly dependent on you having a sizable amount of cards in your hand. And you don't really have this. And in your cerebral imaging deck, have yeah. you been playing a current yeah. for that reason? Uh, I've only played one, <laughs> uh, and I, yep. someone's gonna someone's gonna kick me for saying this, but uh, I've only been playing one in uh, enhanced logon protocol. And I, th- you know, my whole purpose for including it was simply just to slow down the aggression from medium as they begin to hit R and D and things like that. Um, I've been lucky enough to where, for me, I know that. Uh, employee strike hasn't been incredibly uh, incredibly common in the decks I'm facing, but I, you know as I look at more and more of these store champ winning lists and things like that, I'm seeing so many employee strikes. in Index. Uh, I see a lot of wizard decks running three. My wizard deck is running three. Yeah. So if I were to if I were to really if I really wanted to play CI and it was I was going to take it to a tournament, I think I would kind of have to either a um bank on having all the pieces very early so it's not a, it's not a problem. Or I would have to find those currents. I have to.
0: Mm. And how about you, Wolfie? What have you been trying out on the on the runner side?
1: So, since we last recorded, uh, I've been playing a little bit on Jinteki. Uh, I must admit that for a little bit I haven't been playing too much in that runner, but I think the recent Jinteki power shutdown, I guess, or um, maybe... Who, some apocalypse. Apocalypse, yeah, or something got sold to a data dealer, or... Maybe not, hopefully. Well, I don't know. It's all very, it's all very flavorful, exactly. isn't it? Exactly. That's, that's exactly the point that I'm trying to get at, Jesse. Um But yeah, since Genteki sort of... The servers got wiped, uh, maybe it was an injection attack. Um,
0: or a singularity, even. Yes. <laughs>
1: so, since the Jinteki servers got wiped, I think it was sort of a good reset... Um, of what is, I guess, basically for me the first post-Worlds meta... the first, you know, e- exploration into the post-Worlds meta, which might seem strange since Worlds was a good... four months ago now. Three months ago, three months ago. That's okay, I can count. um <clears throat> But uh, at the star championships that I played, I literally played exactly my Worlds decks. <laughs> and so, yeah, like, now that, I guess... Um, Gintech is sort of a blank slate I can't, I, I'm sort of forced away from just playing the decks that I have been for a while, so on the run side I build a couple of things, I think the main thing that I have been working on is a SIFA, um Kate list which I think is quite a common way to go nowadays I've seen it quite a bit um, but I've, there are lots there seems to be lots of ways on the internet that people have built this sort of deck so I'm interested to see where it sort of shakes out because, you know, at the moment my list has professional contacts which might be Jess's favourite card um, but I've also mm. seen, you know, lists which are more reliant on Temujin for their economy, lists with lucky find um, and lists with just modded cipher and lots of card draw like sort of the old, pre- more like the old prepaid engine where you have quality time diesel maker's eye um
0: yeah i think there are heaps of options for shapers for that deck i've only played a handful of decks with professional contacts and peace in our time uh but i found that to be a fine engine when it comes together because you don't really care that much about the five credits if they're going to spend
1: it Resing ice that you're going to kill anyway
0: but obviously there are times when you don't want them to have it early in the game yeah
1: exactly like yeah and peace in our time i suppose is sort of like like lucky find in that regard um in terms of where it pushes your um how ha- how it pushes you to play the game, but yeah, so I think that's been a very interesting development I think Cipher, you know is while it is pretty good actually hasn't been as like I don't want to say that the sky is or is not falling, but it seems like paying five for it like you play paying five for a console you expect the effect to be pretty strong and i think cipher definitely um delivers on that but not in a way that i think feels oppressive even though you do definitely have to build decks with cipher in mind and i suppose as uh you were saying earlier hollis the fact that um people you have been going to and you've seen other people go to ig and ci which are both sort of cipher adjacent decks um all right why are we
0: saying cipher explain isn't me. Cipher? why
1: is it not cipher I don't know. Uh, I just thought
0: uh, Polis seems pretty sure that it's Cipher.
2: Um my understanding is that the pronunciation is supposed to be uh equivalent to that of uh the the new null breaker, and in that uh in that language it would be pronounced cipher, not Cipher. Oh. Um okay. I'm, I'm sure, sure someone... C- cipher yeah.
0: sounds like you don't believe it. <laughs> like you just don't. You don't think it, yeah. it's real. I, I,
2: pr- I mean, I, I do like the sound of cipher better than cipher. But um, we all know that uh, how people react when you pronounce uh, Katie instead of Cotty. So, <laughs> how about we just refer yeah. to it as
1: the five cost Anna. Console? All right. Well, you
0: guys call it cipher, and I'll call it cipher, <laughs> and then we have representation for all views on this okay, podcast. But that nice. Sounds good.
1: Is it like? Surely, if we have a democratic process here, then it sh- you should you know we have the majority wants CIFA, so it's now CIFA. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll have to consult the constitution. Okay. <laughs> um. Okay. Anyway, play no, on. No, that's okay. Uh, what was I saying about CIFA? Oh, yeah, that's right. I was just saying that while it doesn't, it is strong. The fa- I think that, um, as we were talking about in the card review of it, it's sort of pushed a lot of, um, like, yeah, it's pushed a lot of decks that don't really care about the effects so much, like IG and CI, as Hollis was saying, back into the onto the forefront of the metagame, and I think that's a really interesting dynamic that, and, you know, that's sort of the thing that you want when a powerful card gets printed, right, is that it's good, like, it's good, definitely very good for a while before people adapt, and, you know, it has it's very strong... Um, in a lot of situations and enables new archetypes, but there are ways that you can go to mi- mitigate its effect. Um, and that's sort of the metagame progression that I think we've seen with Cipher so far.
0: And so for you, Wolfie, is it the asset spam decks that don't really rely on ice, so therefore the Cipher decks are, p- are paying five for a console that really doesn't do much? Are, are, is that the matchup that's holding Cipher in check from your yeah, perspective? Yeah, I
1: think so, especially since uh, Schaefer has the worst asset Worst tools to deal with assets of any faction like, mm. so
0: far, and it's easy to get overwhelmed, particularly when you have to pay five for your console to get all your pieces out as well. Exactly, even when it's not doing anything. Yeah, and- I-, I guess that's the- that's one of the issues with Cipher that I found is that. Uh, playing that, I was playing it with Stealth Breakers, which means that you really do need the extra memory to host your uh, cloaks, but also to host things like Perissia to help you deal with those asset spam decks. But if you want to have your Perissia out to deal with asset spam, you probably need your Cypher out as well for the memory to ho- also host your breakers, which means you're paying
1: five for something that really doesn't do much other than give you memory. Yeah, and so I think that dynamic has been really interesting, and I, I, I think that the deck has potential, but I also... Sort of am glad that it hasn't been, you know, Cypher Parasite hasn't been the end of Netrunner.
0: Mm. I, I certainly haven't tested it as much in Wizard, and I'm looking forward to trying that out because Wizard obviously has a far more resilient game against those um, asset spam decks as well, which may be, as Hollis was saying, where the metagame heads to compensate that you get the, the Cypher effect plus the ability to deal with assets.
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. Like, I think Anarch is it's is still its natural home, Um, and I've seen it to good effect, but still I think similar sorts of principles apply that there are ways that you can go to mitigate its effectiveness. Okay. Um, I've also been cool. looking at a sort of generic-y Andromeda deck, which sort of uses the same principles that we've seen in the past with just regular breakers, and basically all, all the good criminal cards jam-packed into one, Um which I think we're all fairly familiar with at this point. Um, But yeah. the addition of Aaron Moron gives the deck a new angle in dealing with things that it traditionally hasn't had a great way to deal with, that is specifically one, taking tags, and two, dying to damage, like dying to... Mm-hmm. um Scorch Earth or Boom, specifically like, net small instances of net damage ha- haven't been necessarily as big a problem, but just the way, the difficulty in dealing with um those things together, Aramiron sort of comes together in a perfect... Uh, Aramron I suppose is perfect for the deck because it gives you a way to leverage something that you're very good at which is the agendas in the early game and mm. Um, lets you mobilize that strength into shoring up your weaknesses. So I think that that's like obviously Aaron Moron is an extremely powerful card as we've been talking about for a while, but I think it really does solve many of criminals' problems. And you know I like playing this sort of deck, and it's not been sort of quite up to competitive level for a while. So that's the deck that I've Mm. been. I guess, looking at the most. And, you know, there's lots of... If you look at the core cards as being uh, Siphon, um, Special Order, Gamble, Desperado, and that's it, really. Uh, uh, testing. Or Some some people don't even play Testing nowadays. Testing, Temujin. Like, I'm just going through the deck list now. Um, yeah. Then you can basically... And I guess now Aaron Moran, there are lots of other choices for where, you know, what sort of breakers you want to play where you want to spend your influence and what... And the age-old criminal question of how many inside jobs to play. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the, the mix <laughs> of inside job, legwork, you know, just, uh... Just, yeah, uh, the
0: good events. Yeah,
1: like, uh, action cards. Yep. Um, and economy, yeah. What multi-access you want to play. Yeah, exactly. Medium or R&D interface. Or, yeah, like, it's, I think it's... Turning a, wheel. Aaron Moron gives the deck a huge, such a huge, um shot in the arm in terms of power, that there's lots of different directions you can take it.
0: Cool. And how about on the corpse side?
1: Well, it's a couple of things. One, I felt like I should play a Weyland deck for um, no particular reason. I just suddenly have been um, very enamored with the green faction, so I built a, and a, a couple of weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, maybe, some number of weeks ago, we talked about Barney Stinson. Brian Stinson. The, yes. The, the, the Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> Barney's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I thought that actually what I said about it was, like, the fact that it's an upgrade, I think really, um, elevated in my mind because I guess I was just thinking of it as an asset since, you know, it doesn't really do anything upgrade y. Yeah. Um, and so I sort of tried to build a deck around it, um, and it didn't work out very successfully. Not that the deck, uh, not that Bar- uh, Brian Stinson uh, necessarily isn't good, but the yeah. fact that my plan was, okay, I'll just hard here and use them, and then I'll close the count them, and then I'll be able to use Brian Stinson. And then I thought, hmm, maybe I'm putting the cart ahead of the horse here because to hardy and use them, you already need to have more money. <laughs> so Yeah. Uh, it was a bit of a mess. But I still do think the card yeah. has potential. Yes. Um, so that was cool. It that that was cool to do some deck building like just from scratch trying to leverage something which was sort of a new something new which has come out which I think enables sort of a new strategy. Um and so I built that in mm. Corset Wayland. Uh, and, you know, it's sitting here on my Jinteki drive, even though I don't think it's especially good. And we, I also built a Psychokinesis deck on a similar principle, which is, like, Psychokinesis. I think it enables a new angle uh, in Nisei, like, N- Nisei Mark II Caprice decks. Um, yeah. And, in fact, we were talking about it earlier, that we both basically built the same deck, Jesse. Yes, we did.
0: Uh now, would you like to talk about it or would you like me to talk about it? Oh, you can
1: talk about it. Why don't you go? You go first. Okay, sure.
0: You talk about the one you built and how you went, uh, particularly how Psychokinesis was for you, (laughs) uh, and then I'll berate you and talk about mine.
1: (laughs) Okay, okay. Um, So yeah, basically, I wanted to build a deck that utilised Chris, because I think Rumor Mill is actually getting a bit worse nowadays that um, now that Anarchs are switching to Employee Strike to deal with cerebral imaging, not that uh Ruben Mill is not good against cerebral imaging, but it's not as powerful at every stage in the game like, and mm-hmm. uh, an employee strike that lasts a turn can be crippling to CI, even if they're not planning to go off anytime soon so that's been a switch that I've seen commonly, so I thought, you know, and just because I think uh, Caprice is a bit underrated in general, or maybe I just be- like Caprice very much um I decided Hmm. to build this deck so it's a in jinteki biotech which i think is the natural place for it since you're not really intending the game to go so long that i think Polana will make you a heap of money when you want it i think you really want to front load your money um and also that getting to score the first nisei is usually like the first nisei is usually the most important one to score since uh it's each nisei token you have compounds the effectiveness of your uh caprice server so i Mm -hmm. yeah decided to build that deck i figured yeah i I guess i'll just go through it we'll post the deck list in the um show notes uh we actually will this time unlike you know some other times where i guess maybe we've forgotten
0: wilfie makes that claim and then it just doesn't yeah exactly (laughs) um
1: (laughs) yeah it's, it's definitely me it's I'm I'm placing it solely on myself, so I guess I'll just go through the deck and my my rationale for choosing making the choices I did. So you know, of course, you need three Nisei. uh, three, which is Nisei yeah, mark the, two, but also caprice. yeah, but I've always we've always called caprice caprice, right? Although I agree, it's a little okay. confusing. Um, so yeah, in terms of agendas, you need three Niseis. um, and then sort of from there, you have sa a couple options, I think, um. Future Perfect is still probably like, I think the next strongest uh, Jinteki agenda, just in any deck that's trying to score from remotes, just because of how safe it is, how much safer it makes essential central servers. So I I went with three Nisei, three Future Perfect, and then one NAPD, one GFI, four um, to round out the points. Um, And then... In terms of assets, 3 Jacksons, 3 Mental Health Clinic. Uh, Mental Health Clinic is a card which has not seen too much play recently, but I think in these kind of decks you, where you really want to build a remote early, it's strong because against decks where they can't necessarily deal with assets very well, you can put, play it unprotected, and that's not a huge problem. And against decks where you know it's easy uh, for them to deal with assets, you can leave it in your remote until you're trying to score, so uh, I think it's actually quite a strong card, even if it is a little... And the other weakness
0: of Mental Health Clinic is Temujin, yeah. because if you're if it's not in your scoring remote, even against decks that aren't wizard, so say you go, oh, they're not wizard, they're not going to be able to trash it very easily, I'll play it in a new remote, it's obviously something that they can Temujin, which is annoying, but I think it's important enough to, the, to this deck's economy that you have to play it anyway. Yeah,
1: so I kind of went with the perspective of, like, you know, you're never going to allow them to turn. you're never going to turn off Temujin entirely just because your ice needs to go on three servers from the start of the game basically, or like at least two like you need yeah. to start making a remote early to make the decks game plan effective so I think the best you can do with Temujin is not let them put it on one of, one of the two important servers so that was sort of my yeah, un, like my uh, rationale with that um and in terms of makes yeah, sense. and in terms of ice I went with just things that let you score early. Um just because the game plan of advancing before too long in the game has passed sort of costs a lot of um credits in itself, so I didn't want to spend too much on ice, but Jesse's gone a different route, which I think, you know, is also very interesting. Um, especially I think I was in a bit of Cypher friends, like Cipher. Or, I'll yeah, whatever the <laughs> whatever the card is, frenzy. At this point, I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna play against eight cipher decks and then two decks without cipher, um, in ten games on Jinteki. So there's no point playing any ice that costs more than four. Um,
0: yeah. So I guess I should probably jump in there because that's the main mm-hmm. difference between the deck that I've been trying out. Uh, but also I'll backtrack onto agendas really briefly. Uh, so I've been playing three DNA trackers instead of just small ice because I've been trying to build a remote early where they don't want to run through it repeatedly just to increase the power of Caprice and Marcus Batty. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Caprice more so, because you don't really want to Batty a DNA tracker, but I guess you could. Um, so yeah, that's what the trackers are in there for, uh, for an efficient large piece of ice. I've also been playing a couple of Lotus Fields, possibly overestimating the effectiveness of them against cypher as well i mean a a lot of cypher decks are going to be playing faust uh if they're in anarch or they're going to be playing refractor if they're in shaper and both of those yeah well i mean cypher uh, sorry um um faust faust and refractor deal better with lotus field i think than black orchestra does but obviously black orchestra still breaks it um But, yeah, I mean, it's there as an option for a piece of ice that you can raise against those decks that doesn't die. So I guess that's helpful to have something, at least, on the remote that's a bit resilient. And then I've got Mind Game as well.
1: Did you have Mind Games in your Uh, No, I was thinking about it, but I thought that economy might be a bit of an issue. But, like, thinking about it, the card actually does seem quite strong. Like, I was just worried that if, you know, you have to pay one each time, it's sort of, taxing your economy that already really needs to keep a high pool of money in order to make caprice effective but i guess maybe yeah maybe it, in practice it doesn't really come out like that because i can't see many runners like just pinging a server to drain you <laughs> over and over that doesn't seem like a very good use of their time like not that they would do that all yeah. the time obviously but just the fact that you have an ice that sort of requires you to keep a big pool of money to be effective sort of seemed a little strange to me. But then, again, it's so efficient for its cost that maybe that makes up for it.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sold on it yet, but I'm certainly giving it a go as an option for another early game end-the-run that's reasonably cheap. Uh, then there's Quandary and Vanilla, which are the existing cheap end-the-run options. Wall of Static, which has a little bit more teeth and that it costs two for Paperclip to get through. And we're both playing the one out of roll-dogging Cortex-Lock. Uh, I'm playing currently. three
1: Cortex-Lock. I decided... Three,
0: three, three. You're playing three Cortex-Lock. I'm just playing the okay. one out of... I,
1: I'm going to get you early in the game. But yeah. I, I think that... I mean, it's kind of this anti sipher thing again, but I think that Cortex-Lock is... I can see it being one of the strongest entries nowadays if people are relying on SIF or Parasite to break ice, sort of, like, you know, because it's Parasite for a Cortex. Like, if they have clone chip. Parasite for a Cortex lock is a fine trade. Um and then yeah. if they don't have um if they're just hoping that, you know, they're gonna run, face check it, and then parasite, cipher it, then that I was that you can get them that way and it's sort of immune to mimic by itself, which I think is still yeah. the most common century breaker in those decks.
0: That's very good reasoning. Um and then on the agenda side, um, I'm playing a lot more agendas than Wilfie, I think, and I, I don't necessarily know if this is what I'll end up with. This is very much a first draft, but I'm only playing one Future Perfect, the Philotic Entanglement, two NAPDs, one Improved Protein Source, just for a four advancement requirement agenda that can get you three points, uh, and one Brain Trust. Yeah, and I... Uh, and part of the reason for that is that I'm playing two biotic labor as well, which can help to never advance the, the protein source in addition to your biotech ability uh, if you've used your biotech on an essay, but also can score the brain trust or the philotic from hand.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, when we get into the operations, we'll talk about uh, psychokinesis, I guess, which is um, one of the things that sort of makes uh, having threes, fours, and fives very appealing, which I didn't think about um, when building the deck. Like advancement required. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. So what do you mean by that? Yeah. So exactly. like it's,
1: uh, having the opportunity to choose between, you, you know maybe a three costed a, a three for two and a five for three, um, is more powerful when you have a card like Psychokinesis. Or like having both three for twos and five for threes in your deck is more powerful when you have a card like Psychokinesis that lets you potentially choose between them when that's appropriate. Yeah, depending on the game yeah. state. Um,
0: so speaking of Psychokinesis, what's the rationale for you for including that in the deck? And how have you found it so far? Um,
1: I just, yeah, so the rationale, like the deck I kind of built the deck to take advantage of Psychokinesis since looking at it seems fairly powerful. Um, just because I think Caprice and Nisei Mark II so you know they for- form a power team, but it's not like we've all had situations where our opponent dismantles our remote, um, and we're sitting there with base like the wrong half of the duo in our hand and sort of wishing that we could get somewhere with that. So I think that psychokinesis gives you more action cards in those you know precious turns where you actually have scoring windows. Because, uh, you know, N- Nisei and Caprice are very good at giving you scoring windows, but much more together than apart. So that was sort mm. of my rationale with including psychokinesis, um, is that it finds you the piece that you don't um, necessarily have. And so the operations were kind of built with that as well. I have friends in high places to recur Nisei and Baddy, since, you know, they're... Um, very likely to get trashed, and also anti cipher um, tech as well. And then for economy, yep. I have three celebrity gifts three hedge fund, and I decided to use my influence in sweeps week. Like, um, I sort of went back and forth on what where I could use my influence, since I think actually the deck with, you know, very like basically no influence would still be, you know, sort of okay. Like all of the cards that you really want in your core strategy are genteki or neutral anyway. Yeah, my first draft had seven influence years. Yeah, like, <laughs> apart from Jackson, obviously. Um, yeah. But I thought Sweeps Week could help uh, two ways. One, it's sort of... Um, it's more... It lets you keep a wider range of hands, because I feel like without an economy operation in your opening hand, you're sort of starting on the back foot. Um, yep. And two, it's let you and let you take advantage of drawing more more aggressively rather than gaining credits, which is important because you really need to introduce agendas into the game, like, quickly, I think. Yeah. Um, So that's why. But uh, I noticed that you have gone with restructure instead, so we basically ended up with the same number of, uh, like, you know, came to the same conclusion in terms of the number of economy operations we wanted to play. Yeah. And restructure
0: probably outside of um building a better world works best in decks that have celebrity gift just because celebrity gift naturally helps you get from a reasonably low number up to a number of credits where you can play restructure Mm. so i don't mind playing it in these sorts of decks it can be a little clunky because your clicks are so taxed early in the game when you're trying to build your remote so you're spending lots of clicks installing stuff lots of clicks trying to find your agendas uh to to Put in those servers and put pressure, and also install your caprice, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, I found that I can often get clogged up with um, operation economy in my hand that I don't want to play on that turn, which can be a little annoying with restructure because if you don't play it, it then passes the runner turn, and you've got to choose to spend the money raising your ice or not, which can then make you dip below the threshold again where you can play restructure. So managing that and managing when you play your restructures. Versus keeping money up, keeping enough money up for ice, having enough ice on the board, having enough money to play restructure. It's all a bit, um, it's a lot to think about, but I. It, you definitely do have the capacity to get up to restructure range reasonably easily, I find. Uh, it's just a matter of being able to play it so celebrity gift hedge fund and restructure is the package i've gone with in addition to the mental health clinic but i can certainly see playing sweeps week the reason i went with the labors for the influence in the end was that uh it allows you once you've used your biotech ability as i said to never advance for advancement requirement agendas which can be napd nisei or improved protein source and considering that you have psychokinesis so you're sometimes going to be installing an agenda with your last click because psychokinesis is terminal having the ability to never advance can be even more important Uh, but also having two three for twos now in the deck one for lotic and one brain trust it allows you that option to not have to use the remote to score your last two points if you somehow manage to for instance score the improved protein source early using your biotech ability and then score a nisei or an napd in the mid game with caprice then you can finish off with a brain trust or a, of, or a philotic from hand.
1: Yeah, I think especially with the three for twos, I mean, it goes without saying basically, but biotic labor and three for twos are kind of best friends. So I think that all those choices sort of make sense in that context. Um, and lastly, I've gone with two targeted marketing just because I think it would be really hard to score with, to um, kill a room milk, but biotic labor is also a way to solve that problem um, to some extent. And also, I think we've both decided to play three Caprice and two Baddy in addition, um, yep. which I think, like, I feel might be a bit much to play two Baddy in addition. I was thinking of going down to one Baddy just because you have friends in high places, um, as well as Psychokinesis as extra ways to find your defensive upgrades. The upside to having two Baddy is that you can
0: have them on two servers, and because unlike Caprice, having one on R&D and one on your remote for caprice is a bit redundant because you're unlikely to be able to actually use both of them so it's really just in case something you know you're pretty sure you're going to lose the game on r&d and you can afford to get rid of the one on your remote for a turn and then reinstall it with friends in high places that's sometimes an okay play but with Batty, it's sort of even better because not only do you not have to pay the two to raise the caprice but you can still stop that really impactful run uh, and you can still use the one on your remote because it's probably unresed unless you've used it, in which case it's not in the server anymore, if you are not, know I mean.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, that's a good reason, I think, um, is that you expect that a lot of times you're going to sort of expect that you're going to... A lot of times you're going to expect that you're going to set up a remote that's hard enough for your opponent to get into that they're going to try and hammer another server, usually R&D, with Medium, um, and you're going to need value at some point to deal with
0: that. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, I think that, that rounds out that deck. Hollis, did you have any questions for us to chime in? We've been yammering away about this biotech deck for a while, but well, I mean, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, what's funny is that it's, it's perfect that you guys chose biotech as the idea of choice, because biotech, being Gentechy has a lot of tools that I was going to discuss earlier. You guys helped it loop back around perfectly. Ah, um, so, oh, beautiful. So basically... Uh, in Atlanta, they recently had one of their sword championships, and the two top, the top two decks um at the at those store champs were actually two Palana decks. and so uh-huh. i I inquired about this. I said, you know hey in in the current meta, it's pretty common that um you know, like we thought that glacier was kind of out. No one's really playing glacier because it doesn't really make sense now i like I like the biotech as an option I like biotech as an option because of that site like, like you guys mentioned. There's a speed it provides for making sure that first Nisei gets scored almost immediately um, with very little delay. And then once you kind of get those, in this, in the sim, you know, similarly to you know, how people look at Astro Chains, when you start looking at the Nisei Chain, it makes, you know, playing against that sort of deck very difficult. You start realizing you're getting further and further behind after the first Nisei gets scored, and now they're going after the second, and now you have a very limited amount of time before it might just be a you know, complete game over from that point going forward. So, uh, the reason why it's really, it's really interesting to me that the Polena won those two, uh, or sorry, were the top two decks at their store champ in Atlanta was that because the, the fantastic revolving door meta that we're seeing, and that's what I really enjoy seeing, you know, in a game like Netrunner, really in any card, in a competitive card game. For a long time, the meta was heavily dominated by, um, CTM decks, and so as a result, uh, uh, as a result, people were like people decided they needed to play a deck like Wizard, which very heavily would you know save you as far as uh, economy in those matchups. Same way it as it saves you against IG. Now, cards like employee Strike do really, really well, but there was a key card that came out in this last cycle that everyone said kills Glacier, and that was Rumor Mill. And it's interesting to me is that the meta has like sort of like I said that revolving door has occurred, and while. Rumor Mill still might be uh, prevalent in some decks. The focus seems to be now more on the shift of a lot of players moving to IG and moving to a Hot tubs variant and moving to Cerebral Imaging. And so where you're seeing Rumor Mill as a card that that was commonly played that hated Glacier decks out of the meta, now we're back where Rumor Mill is being replaced for that that second and third copy of Employee Strike because Mm. it helps against the, the new more common matchup. So glacier is poking its way back in the meta, and of course, when rumor comes you know comes back, glacier gets hurt again, but that's just I love that 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 sort of play in the meta where um glacier is quote unquote traditional net runner, right and yeah, it's been hated out, but you know now that people have forgotten about it, and this is sort of this happens every to me, this happens every year with DLR decks. People, people forget that DLR decks exist, and so they just, they, they don't, they go away for a while. And then there's a big tournament, and someone brings a DLR deck, and we forget how, if we're not prepared for it, how incredibly, you know, disastrous that matchup can be. Um, mm. and that's it, I mean, that's, that's sort of what, the, the kind of thing that I, I like seeing in the map. I kind of like, uh, I like it when decks sort of rotate out, and then people think that they're, you know, you, you sit down, and you make your deck for your storage chapter, regional, and you go, nobody's gonna play that. Nobody's going to play Polana. They wouldn't, they wouldn't dare. How could, how, why would they? And that, that yeah. person that's willing to challenge the meta, they're rolling dice, absolutely. But, I mean, if, if everyone is that confident that Glacier isn't going to be played, I mean, it's, there, there you have it. So, I, I don't know. I, I love stuff like
0: Exactly. That. Yeah, and, and that brings us full circle, I guess, back to a, a really overall view of the meta. And I really like... When the meta game is wide open on either side, and it certainly is wide open, I think on the corp side right now, and it sort of feels like when you're looking through the card pool and looking to build decks. As someone who enjoys building decks, I feel like there's something really exciting just around the corner. You know, if I keep working at it and keep trying different combinations of cards, I'm going to find something that clicks and works really well right. um, in the current meta game. And just like you said, there are lots of options for a corp deck builder about whether to go down. Uh, an asset reliant route or to go down um, a route that relies on a combo and just scoring out from hand or whether you go down a more traditional glacier route of building an ag- uh, a remote server pardon me to score your agendas and all of that yes it depends on some reading the runner metagame and seeing how runners are responding but it also relies on you considering it doesn't rely on but it gives you the opportunity to consider some new combinations of cards using some quite powerful and interesting cards like Psychokinesis that have come out in the last few packs and see whether that just that subtle shift of one or two cards in existing powerful strategies can make the difference to push it over the edge and having a metagame like that is really exciting to me yeah Wilfie any thoughts uh, final thoughts
1: no I think you have summed it up nicely in that uh, an open metagame provides lots of opportunities for deck builders to sort of explore the areas that they find interesting about the game um, and I definitely think that we've reached that situation at the moment um, for a couple of reasons, one the time in the year of course and the time in the cycle and but also I think it's sort of ramped up, I think the um, sort of strong card and strong card that counters that first card cycle is sort of ramped up a little bit recently, and that um every time that happens, you know because new strong cards um that get printed usually open up new archetypes to be good or old archetypes that weren't necessarily uh competitive to be competitive, like both of those things um the fact that that's happening i think a little quicker now that used to is um interesting from a deck building perspective so there you have
0: it everyone hopefully we've dispelled some of the doom and gloom that's been circulating around about the meta i know a lot of people are feeling like things got a little bit stale in the middle of this cycle i've certainly heard those comments (coughs) alexis uh thank you for contributing your thoughts uh but um yeah, hopefully we've shown you that we're at least pretty excited about where the metagame is right now and that there are options on both sides for deciding which strategies you think you're going to be facing on the other side uh, and therefore what you think is going to be best placed to carry you through a tournament. If you've got any thoughts about any decks that you think we missed today or you'd like to see us talk about a little bit more in the future, you can send us an email at thewinningagenda at gmail.com. You can tweet us at winningagenda you can check us out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash the winning agenda. That's probably not the best place to go to give us suggestions uh, for decks to try, but certainly if you subscribe to our Patreon, uh, you can give us suggestions for decks you would like to see us play on online video series and other forums um, and get us to give you some feedback on decks that you're trying out at the moment as well. Uh, Those are some of the rewards available to our Patreon subscribers. Uh, And last but not least... Uh, have I missed out any contacts options? Anyone? I think I did our oh, Facebook. You can check us out on Facebook at the winning agenda. Thank you for listening this week. I've been Jesse Marshall with Wilfie Horrig and Hollis Echo. Thanks for listening. And we'll
1: see you next week. See you guys. Thanks very much for listening. Bye.